nervous. I'm nervous, guys. I'll tell you why I'm nervous. First, welcome back to No Bucks Given, your favorite podcast with a pun in the name, if that's the sort of thing you're into. I'm nervous because I'm recording for the pod by myself today for the first time. Had a guest that wasn't able to make it too late to get another guest, but I believe that guy's going to come back on Saturday and should be a very exciting guest, a new guy on the pod, which would be really fun. Until then, it's going to be just me for right now, and I am nervous a little bit about it. At the same time, though, the last episode, if you heard it, not the last episode, the episode before that with the ES3N guys, I wrapped up the last 20 minutes by myself and kind of got in the hang of things. So we're going to run through this. Usually I'm looking at my guests on the Zoom call. Can't do that this time, so I'm just looking at my script. A little bit different. Not sure if I like it too much, but we're going to run through it. Real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Joe Albrecht, who has been on the podcast before. It is his birthday today. And I don't have money, per se, to buy birthday gifts, and he does, and he certainly uses that money to buy things for his friends. So I figured I could give him a shout-out on this podcast instead, um, so I can continue to get those gifts guilt-free. Also, big shout-out to Aruba. My listener base on my analytics on Anchor.fm is 99% United States, and less than 1% of my listeners are in Aruba. So if you're listening from Aruba... Big shout out. I know nothing about the place beyond the reference in the song. Sorry. We're going to start with a little bit of Reader's Digest. The articles I read this week, I didn't listen to any podcast this week. Just watched one video on YouTube. We'll get to that in a hot second. I listen to the Power Rankings, Zach Harper, The Athletic. I read that every week. Along with John Hollinger's Week That Was, this one covers the buyouts and the signings of the Nets and Lakers. I looked at an article on The Athletic by Jared Weiss and Johan Buha about the Lakers adding Andre Drummond and how he fits into their rotation. They did a similar article for LaMarcus Aldridge on The Athletic, who joined the Nets. That one was written by Alex Schiffer. John Hollinger also did a buyout market article on The Athletic, just covering the 18 most popular players that might be out there and where they might go and how they might fit misconceptions about the players, those sort of things. Lastly, the only non-athletic article of the week, because I couldn't find anything on sites about buyouts, nothing from The Ringer or ESPN out there on buyouts, the buyout market, and where people are going. So I checked out Howard Beck on Sports Illustrated. Beck is a legend in the sports media industry. You guys don't need me to tell you that. Just about how the buyouts are warping the NBA's competitive landscape, which has been about a bit of a hot topic on Twitter, NBA Twitter especially, in the past few days. We'll get to that topic as well later in the pod. In this podcast, we're going to cover Drummond signing with the Lakers, LaMarcus Aldridge signing with the Nets, and we're going to examine the rest of the buyout market. Before we do that, I usually do this with my guests. I'm going to do it again with just me just because I believe in it and I think it is important. We're going to do the mental health check. We're almost at the end of March, which is scary. The pandemic, the lockdown started over a year ago in early March, and we're about to get a, a, a year and a month and that's scary. But I'm doing okay lately. I'm in St. Louis with some friends right now. This is the fifth city that we've recorded the podcast in in a little under two months. It's very exciting to be able to do it anywhere I want, and that's one of the benefits of this podcast. And I had a really great weekend with some friends I hadn't seen in a hot while and just was able to clear my mind a little bit. Things are getting a little bit better, guys. I hope it's getting better for you guys that are listening, too. 
let's dive into the buyout market. This is something that I want to talk about because it's been talking about NBA Twitter. People are arguing whether the buyout market, as it is right now, whether it's unfair to smaller or non-competitive markets. The buyout market happens every year, right after the trade deadline. Veterans that could not be sent in a deal that are on bottom feeder or non-playoff teams negotiate a buyout with their team so they can join a contender or a team that they're really interested in or just to be in a big market. And these signings don't always have massive impact on the playoffs or the championships, but they can, you know. Don't have any off the top of my head, but the Bucks signed Marvin Williams last year, and he was probably the best forward off their bench. And despite them not making it past the second round of the playoffs, if they had, he would have been a big part of that. This year... The big guys are Andre Drummond, who just signed with the Lakers, and LaMarcus Aldridge, who signed with the Nets. People are arguing especially with the Nets because they signed Blake Griffin right before that on the buyout market as well. So that's two quote-unquote impact guys, however you view them, who are also big names and have had storied careers in the NBA. Signed to the Nets, who are a cap-strapped, talent-packed team, adding two storied guys for nothing. No impact on the cap or nothing. And people are sharing their distaste with that. Personally, I'm not entirely sure how he would solve it. I mean, these players are veterans. They've been in the league for a while. And they don't want to be on this team that's not going to do anything for the rest of the year. They don't want to not care for the last 20, 30, 40 games of the year, depending on what season it is, just on this team that's not going to accomplish anything. And when they get bought out, of course they're going to join the best teams. I mean... If they have an open slot and they want to play you, you may as well go to a team that you can win a ring with. I don't really have a massive issue with that. If it became guys in their 20s getting bought out, actual impactful players, or a guy with a lot of years on his contract, you know, giving up an absurd amount of money to join some team and it seems really fishy, then yeah, maybe we should step in. Beck offered a few solutions or alternatives in his article, I'll read a paragraph from that so you guys know I'm quoting from his article. Some team executives have pushed for reform to no avail. One suggestion is to make buyout players ineligible for the playoffs unless they have been released at some date before the trade deadline, say in early February, thus incentivizing teams to trade for the players as opposed to picking them up. Another option would be to create a compensation system in which the team signing the player has to send a draft pick or possible multiple picks depending on the player, to the player's former team. A third proposal would be to give each team a cap exception specifically for buyout signings, and limited to one per season or even two every two years. A fourth option would be to have teams place a blind bid for bought-out players using whatever cap room or cap exceptions they have available with the player awarded to the highest bidder. And that last one's pretty interesting. I'm not sure it would work out because we really do believe in the free will of these players to do what they want to when they hit free agency. Technically, they can be picked up on waivers, so that is almost essentially what they're talking about there. The issue is when a guy with a $27.5 million cap hold is going on waivers, no one's ever going to pick them up. Maybe they could tweak those rules a little bit so that people on waivers can pick them up uh, because I believe there's an order to the waivers, just like in the NFL. I don't really have any solutions to that. I don't see as big of an issue with it as other people. I understand that the Nets 
picking up Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, these big names that have done a lot of stuff in the NBA may seem unfair, but I promise you guys are not going to play past the second round of the playoffs. And we're going to get to that in a hot second. We're going to start diving into the buyout guys, starting with some breaking news from earlier today, about two hours ago, I want to say. Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter broke that Jeff Teague, who was traded from Boston to Orlando in the Evan Fournier deal, I want to say, if not a separate deal, and was subsequently waived by the Magic, is signing with the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess the most uh, biggest connection there is Jeff Teague played for a few seasons under Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and was an all-star due to that system sort of bringing out a lot of his talents. Teague is mainly washed at this point. Uh, we've watched him a few times in Boston because they've played the Bucks about three times so far this season, and I've checked out a few more Boston games. And I, strangely, I'm not entirely sure how this happened, but I follow several Celtics people on Twitter, including Snotty Drippin, Ask the Truth, the YouTube channel, and other guys like that. And they're always talking about how washed Jeff Teague is. And you can see that he's washed, even though he burns the Bucks. I mean, random players always burn the Bucks. That's just how we are. But Jeff Teague has looked really washed this season. So he's about four inches taller than DJ Augustine and shoots 10% more from three than DJ Augustine. And that's a massive jump because DJ shoots 37% from three, which is an average pace for the NBA. And this season, Teague has been shooting 46.4% from three, which is massive. So if he can get a couple shots off a night and hit him, all power to him. I don't think he's going to provide a ton defensively, especially at his age. And despite having a bigger stature than DJ Augustine, they weigh the same height. So he's still going to get bullied around in the league. And I also don't think he's going to play past the first round of the playoffs, just like DJ Augustine wouldn't have. The point is, we got him on a one-year veteran minimum deal, and we got a guy who's at worst a parallel from DJ Augustine, disappointing or not, in a, for free, basically, after trading that guy away for P.J. Tucker. So we kept P.J. Tucker, and we got a guy that's super cheap. It's whatever. I don't think it's going to have any ramifications on the league in general. I would have rather seen Austin Rivers, even though he doesn't play make, he's not a floor general. And Teague isn't necessarily that, but he does pass the ball and know how to set guys up. And that's what we needed off the bench. But Rivers has size and stature, and he's a bit younger, and he scores in bunches. And if there was an emergency injury and one of our backup guards had to play a lot of minutes, I probably would have rather had Rivers in that situation than Teague. There hasn't been any reports that the signing of Teague means that Austin Rivers isn't likely anymore. If you guys need a little refresher, it's been reported by several different outlets that Rivers and the Bucks are connected, and it was expected for him to sign with them after a waiver's cleared. I don't know if the Bucks got a hint that he wasn't going to join them or if someone was going to pick him up on waivers, but they went with Teague, and maybe they'll still pick up Rivers. They have one more buyout slot left. I would prefer that they wait like I would have wanted them to wait with their other open spot and see if a wing opens up. There's no wings on the market right now, but there's a chance that a guy like Otto Porter Jr., who has said he will remain with the Magic for now, could get bought out, and he would easily be the best player on the market. Or a guy like Mo Harkless, who is playing for a team that is fighting for the playoffs in the Sacramento Kings, but there isn't a lot of space for him, and maybe they just wave him to fulfill a promise or something. Wait on that would be nice to see if we can get one of those guys. We'll talk about some more options as we go, but first I want to talk about 
Andre Drummond signing with the Lakers, probably the biggest news of the past weekend in terms of the NBA. The first question is tampering. I just don't understand. I don't have an issue with guys discussing contracts before the moratorium ends. It's clear that teams are going to find a way and agents are going to find a way regardless of what the rules are. And frankly, there isn't that much of a competitive disadvantage because everyone can do this tampering. Everyone can contact the agent because if the agent is talking to anyone, they can talk to everyone. My issue is how the NBA handles it. And of course, I'm referring to the botched Milwaukee Bucks trade earlier this offseason in August, probably. They tried to trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. They negotiated a contract before the moratorium was over. And the NBA stripped them of one to two second round picks for that. Which is a bananas fucking thing to do when you're allowing people to blatantly tamper. And that was the argument when it happened. And now we're seeing it happen even more blatantly without even a chirp from the league. I mean, the, the, the tweet was... Um, Jeff Schwartz, Andre Drummond's agent, told Woj before he cleared waivers that he would join the Lakers on a veteran minimum contract. That was the report. The report was that when he clears waivers, not now that he has cleared waivers, when he clears waivers, he will not, would likely, he will sign a contract with the Lakers for the rest of the season, which is blatant fucking tampering. They clearly negotiated this before he cleared waivers, which is against the rules. And I don't give a shit. I really don't. But if you're going to charge one team for this, you have to charge the other team for it, especially when it's a team like the Lakers. It's bullshit when you have this sort of, we're going to punish the small market teams and let the big market teams do everything. It's a microcosm of fucking capitalism. It is so stupid. And Adam Silver is such a hypocrite for that. I don't understand why or why they're even allowed to get away with this. Just let everyone talk to people all the time. Fuck the tampering rules. Fuck the issues. Fuck these these little little punishments that you gave the Bucks two second rounders for talking to a player early, like everyone does every year, several times a year. Get over it. Please just remove the tampering rules or get full-on military and start enforcing it. But you don't get to pick and choose, especially when, it, when you're choosing to punish these small market teams that are already at a disadvantage. It's a bit of a rant there. I've been holding that one in all day, maybe for the past two days. I had to get it out. Let me know if you guys agree with that. I, I don't think there's much. But anyways, Drummond signing with the Lakers. Probably the quote-unquote, most impactful player that was available in the buyout market thus far. This is an excerpt from John Hollinger, Hollinger's analysis of Drummond signing with the Lakers. Just a small paragraph. Overall, he's shooting a career-worst 48.4% on two-pointers. Add in his 59.7% free-throw shooting, the second-best percentage of his career, interestingly, and his 50.0 true shooting percentage is far below league average, 57.1% being the league average. That is alarming for a center whose average shot distance is 3.7 feet per basketball reference. So I'm referencing both Hollinger, who is referencing basketball reference. That's some inception shit for you guys right there. 
That's not awesome. And we knew this about Andre Drummond. Everyone wants to hype up Andre Drummond. I don't understand it. You know, he's been putrid on offense for a lot of his career when he's not doing the DeAndre Jordan stuff. If he's catching lobs and going for offensive rebounds and just putting them back, going for easy shots, he can be very impactful. But he wants to post up. He wants to do some drop steps. He wants to take floaters. He wants to take sky hooks, for God's sakes, I see him take. And he's just god-awful at them because he has no touch. I mean, like you said, his his average shot distance is 3.7, and he's shooting 48.4% on them. For a center, he's 6'10". How is that possible? Defensively, it's the same thing. Somehow, this behemoth man, 6'10", nearly 300 pounds, if not over that, is garbage on post defense. He cannot defend in the post. Joel Embiid has cooked him every single time that they meet, and Embiid enjoys it, and he knows it. Drummond has not been able to has not put a, together a defensive performance against a star center in my memory, and he's been in the league for a lot longer than you think. Those things combined, I didn't understand why there was such a race to sign him. I understood why contending teams wanted to get him. He's a big dude. He has had made impact plays. He's had massive games, but I don't understand why a team like the Nets didn't target him now. The official report was that he would not consider the Nets among his suitors. And I'm not sure why, whether the Nets weren't interested or if Drummond had something against them or if Jeff Schwartz, as agent, just has something against the Nets or has ties with L.A. But with the Nets, all they need is a dude to gobble up all the fucking rebounds on the court. And Drummond can do that, you know. I spent the past two minutes torching the guy, but he can do that. And he probably would have been locked in for like 35 minutes a game. I really don't understand why that didn't happen, especially with the the place that he did go. He's he's gonna go to Los Angeles now, and start next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and just clog the shit out of the paint. I mean, he can't shoot. He can't shoot three point seven foot shots, let alone a fucking three. And they made it work last year with Javale McGee starting, who is another guy that can't really shoot, and off the bench with Dwight Howard. But I don't really know why Laker fans are pretending like this is some incredible victory or why non-Laker fans are considering this some sort of travesty. It's Andre Drummond. They didn't get Hakeem Elijah on. I really don't understand. The guy's not going to play after the – if they play any team that goes small, neither Montrez or Andre Drummond will get very many minutes, let alone Marcus All, who's probably going to fucking rot on the bench now, which is disappointing. Because you know what Marcus All is good at, despite his offensive issues this year, is post fucking defense. He can still guard in the post, which neither of their other centers can. So Drummond's not going to do anything. I mean, they if they play the Heat again in the playoff in the finals. They're not going to fucking play Andre Drummond for God's sake, you know. If they play Denver. Jokic is going to if they play Andre Drummond straight up against Nikola Jokic. Jokic is going to drop 60 a night. Just you wait. It's 60-20-20 while he's fucking at it against Andre Drummond. There's something about Drummond that I don't understand is that he's always been not as good as his physical build and athletic talents say he should be, but he just falters at the single second of pressure. Something I will mention before we wrap this up and talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. 
The Lakers got Dwight Howard to commit last season, and that was Howard's always issue. I would say Dwight. I don't know why I said Howard. That seemed too ambiguous, but that's what they had Dwight do, and that was Dwight's issue, why he was bouncing around the league and why everyone said he was washed, because he refused to do the little things, to simply rebound and catch lobs, focus on defense, focus on fitting the system on offense, not asking for post-ups, not asking for shots, not asking for a bigger role, just doing what he should do and use his athleticism as best as he can. And he bought in, truthfully and honestly. He bought in, was the backup center for him, had a great season, probably not in the actual running for sixth man of the year, but was probably one of the best men off the bench, if not just big men off the bench for that season. And he's doing it in Philly now. He's just changed his, his mentality, I guess, and how he plays. And now he's going to be in the league for a couple more years. Good on him. If they can do the same thing with Andre Drummond, that'd be great. That would be great for them. And it would probably be great for Andre Drummond, who would get a tasty contract in the offseason if he shows up in these playoffs. But I don't think that this... I If the Lakers were the best team in the league, this pickup doesn't change anything. Maybe they're 0.5% better, 1% better. If they were the third or fourth best team in the league by whoever is doing these rankings, maybe they go up a slot. You know? I really don't see this. They need a wing way more than they need a new center. KCP has not been doing it this season. They need some more defense. They need a guy like Wesley Matthews, who they signed. And if he had been doing what he was doing with the Bucks last season, would be a integral part of their rotation. But he can't hit his shots now. It's very strange. Very strange. Let's move on to Lamarcus Aldridge. Sign with the Nets. I didn't understand this one at all. I think the Nets are truly just on Twitter, <laughs> trying to get the guys with the most name recognition on their team. That's why they signed Blake Griffin, who, in all fairness has looked a bit sprier than he did in Detroit in Brooklyn. He scored 17 off the bench the other night. He's hit three of four from three since he joined the team in a couple of games, I think. But he was, I mean, he looked like horrible before that. And LaMarcus Aldridge got benched this year. He didn't get removed from the rotation because he was older and they were looking for a trade for him. He got benched for Jakob Pertl because Jakob Pertl is a significantly better center than him at this point. Pirtle gets a lot of boards and a lot of blocks, and he plays for the team, you know? And that's not to say that Aldridge has been a bad locker room guy by any fucking means. He's been nothing but a professional in San Antonio in the rest of his career, okay? I have tremendous respect for LaMarcus. Not that he fucking cares if I do or not. But I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, he's a stretch five, technically, if you want to say that, and he can open the spacing for your floor. But, it, you know, when you get down to brass tacks which is a saying that I know how to use in context, but don't know the meaning of by any means. Why not just play Kevin Durant as your small ball five? I don't understand why you need a, a slower, less offensively potent guy there. And obviously for the regular season, that's different. But once you get, you know, once it's crunch time and you need a guy that can shoot at the five, the Nets are going to play Kevin Durant. So you can't tell me that they picked him up to have a small ball shooting five on the roster. He's the guy one with Kevin Durant. 
and rebounding. His rebound is putrid this season. I mean, just not being able to get him at all. I don't know if it's athleticism that's being sapped or he's not interested, but he was not grabbing boards at all, whether offensively or defensively. And that's why that's the main reason Pirtle took his spot. Because they're still running drop coverage with Pirtle, I believe. So it's not like he can switch onto a guard and be this incredible defensive force. They're running the same defense. It's just that Pirtle's grabbing these fucking boards, and he's more athletic, and he plays in the system. So I don't really understand it. I mean, are you going to play Blake and LaMarcus on, off the bench together? That sounds bad. <laughs> that sounds bad to me, you know? would have been really cool if they kind of waited and tried to get a fucking guy that can guard on the perimeter. Bruce Brown has been really good this season. I really like him, and I think he could develop into a decent player. Decent, at best. But a guy that can guard on the perimeter would have been great. You know, wait to see if Avery, Avery Bradley hits the open market. There's a very good chance that Houston waves him because they have no reason to keep him. Although he does have a player option or team option for 5.7 next year, which they may use to dangle in a trade. But he would be great for him. Better than LaMarcus. Better than Blake, in my opinion. You know, Blake. <laughs> I do that. Uh, that's from Key and Peele when um, he's mispronouncing the names and he goes, Blake. And he goes, no, it's Blake. And he goes, Blake. And I think about it every time I say Blake Griffin. So you guys have to hear that now, too. So I don't understand. And the worst part of it is they've got, like, it's not like they have, like, a young perimeter defender beyond Bruce or even a backup fucking guard that can play behind Kyrie and James that they, they're just letting have minutes. No, they have a young guy at center who does the things they need, and they're going to bench him for LaMarcus Aldridge. This is Nicholas Claxton I'm talking about. Claxton has been putting up some big rebounding numbers, and he's a bit skinny, which is his only issue. But it's not like they were ever going to be able to guard Joel Embiid if they saw him in the playoffs. What's DeAndre Jordan going to do something against Joel Embiid? No. Is LaMarcus Aldridge? LaMarcus Aldridge might retire if he has to guard Joel Embiid for a fucking series, you know? But Claxton plays good defense. I watched a couple clips of him switching on the guards. It's it's solid. It's not elite. I don't know if there's more than two elite big men that can actually switch on the guards, but he's staying in front of them. He's contesting shots when they put them up, and he can follow them in the paint if they drive. And then I saw a couple clips of Lamarcus doing the same thing. I believe I want to say Hollinger put these clips in his article. And Aldridge has no chance. He's not no chance. He's not even he's in a an okay defensive stance, and the offensive guard doesn't even make a move. He just goes to the basket, and Aldridge can't fucking keep up with him. And that's what the, the Nets needed to do. They didn't need to double up on, on offense with LaMarcus Aldridge because they already tripled up on offense with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. I truly don't understand it. And the main reason I don't understand it, and now we're going to move on to other buyout guys. I'm so good at transitions. Oh, my God, I'm the best podcast host I know. The main reason I don't fucking get it is because Gorgie Dang was out there. And that goes for the fucking Lakers, too. And the Heat, who didn't tar- who targeted Aldridge above anyone else. Gorgie Jang hits open threes at a good, not average, a good clip, plays good defense, rebounds the ball, and his quote from San Antonio today was, I play for the team. I will do whatever the coach needs, you know? And I'm not that guy that's like, oh, egos are ruining the sport because I love those flashy players. I like those guys that are a bit selfish, you know? But if you're a contender, 
that needs to add a piece, you don't want to add someone like that. You want to add someone that will do anything that it takes to fucking win. And that's what Gorgie Dang brings to the table. I have no idea, and uh, Nokias Duncan's been tweeting about this all week, too. It's not like I'm the only one thinking about this. There's plenty of smarter basketball people out there that are saying the same thing. I don't understand why any of these teams would target LaMarcus Aldridge or Andre Drummond. I would have had Gorgie Ding besides both of those guys. If they offered me, you know, both LaMarcus and Andre will sign and not Gorgie. Why didn't the Celtics target Gorgie Ding? They were targeting Drummond. Apparently, they were the number two, the number two in every rumor ever. Why wouldn't they call Gorgie Ding? You know who got Gorgie Ding because they have a smart front office and they were probably the first fucking team to call him because all these contenders don't want to? The Spurs. Because they're smart. Because they know what they need. You know what they did? They bought out LaMarcus Aldridge and used the money that he gave back to sign Gorgie Ding, a considerably better player at this stage of his career. Just a, it's a low key, like a low key, not like brilliant, but it's a low key masterstroke by R.C. Buford and Co. in San Antonio. <laughs> just wait, just wait, guys, for Gorgie to start playing for San Antonio, and in, in every team, every team's fan base, especially the Heat, man, especially the Heat and the Celtics, are gonna be like, why? <laughs> just why? Baffles me. Truly baffles me. There's no one really else out on the buyout market right now. Austin Rivers will clear waivers, but we spoke about him briefly. I checked out a couple articles that speak about it, especially Hollinger's article that talked about the 18 or so names. I wrote down four that were interesting. Otto Porter Jr., we mentioned. He'll be the best wing and player to be bought out this season if he does get bought out. And it would be a bit of a concern in terms of the anti-buyout market people because he is about 27 and he has a very good wing and everyone could use a good wing. I guess the one thing that would um, deter that sort of thought line is that he's just injury prone. He's been injured for a lot. Uh, I believe he's played 90-something games in the past three Moving on from Otto Porter, we're going to talk about Kelly Olinick, who was part of the Miami Heat trade to acquire Victor Oladipo. He's the second half of that Avery Bradley return, that incredible return that Houston got for Victor Oladipo. We don't have to talk about that. We talked about that last episode. Check it out. Kelly Olenek, Houston has no reason to keep him, just like they have no reason to keep Avery Bradley. And if they waived him, would be one of the better bigs out there. It's actually a pretty cool big man market out there for buyout guys. It's drying up quickly. Number one attribute in the NBA is shooting threes. He's shot threes at a very good clip past few years and he's a big guy in the paint he can rebound very well he's a bit dirty just to be fair not not that he's a horrible person i haven't seen anything like that but he is the guy that separated kevin love's shoulder in the playoffs before the cavaliers made it to the finals and really you know hurt their chances to win the title that year but beyond that, there have not have been a ton, not that I've seen at least. I'm not advocating for the guy, nor am I condemning him. Shoots 36% from three. Not this season. It's been worse, but for his career. So I always you know, kind of go for that as opposed to other stuff because just a little bit more accurate, a little bit more, you know, cumulative stats are just always a bit more accurate. 
I would expect him to go back to Boston, which is where he separated Kevin Love's shoulder. He's just, um, they need size even after these moves that they've made. And they shipped off Daniel Tice to the Chicago Bulls in a salary dump. I wouldn't really expect him to go anywhere else, to be fair. He can't go back to the Miami Heat. Once you're traded, you can't return to that team for a full year, unless it's a, a trade, I think. So we won't see him go back there. I'd fully expect that. And again, would rather have Kelly Olynyk on a team with a bunch of superstars than I would LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin. But I am sure that the Nets won't look twice at him. So moving on to Wayne Ellington, sharpshooter in Detroit. And Detroit, despite being, I mean, quote-unquote, a bottom feeder team, they're not necessarily that. I haven't heard anything bad, you know, in terms of the locker room. They actually seem to be weirdly in high spirits. Jeremy Grant is a fun franchise cornerstone quote. I'm not sure if that's going to pan out, but he's a good player, and he's a lot of fun, and he's going to get a couple of Eastern Conference All-Stars out of this, which is really cool for a guy that's, you know, in his early 20s trying to make a – Make a name in the league. They cleared some space, but we'll see. I'm not sure if they would, but Ellington shoots 38% from three for his career and 43% this season. So either way you're looking at it, he's shooting like crazy. He's got a decent build at 6'4", 207 pounds. Not known for his defense, but I don't think he's a sieve. You know, Sieve. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. S-I-E-V-E. He's on a matador on defense. Let's go with something I can pronounce, huh? And I think that if he were waived by Detroit, every single contender in the league would call for his services. A couple of specific examples. In Milwaukee, he would take the Bryn Forb role and probably do it just a little bit better just because he's bigger and can stay on the court for longer than Bryn Forbes. And with that shot, you get open passes from Giannis, you're going to hit shots. If you're already good at hitting shots, you're just going to be a shot maker, period. You know, Los Angeles would probably love the Lakers, would probably love to have him in the uh, Wesley Matthews role that Wesley Matthews haven't been, hasn't been able to use at all. Clippers could use him in the Landry Shamit minutes. Actually, I believe it's the Luke Kennard minutes now. But both are pretty, you know, not awesome. That's about it, I think, with Wayne. Another guy on Detroit right now, Corey Joseph, was traded at the deadline. Sacramento sent him along with two second-round picks in return for Delon Wright, who I think is a very fun player, but we're not talking about him. Corey Joe made his debut in Detroit, had a good game, hit his shots, played what he needed to in terms of, you know, getting the ball in the right hands of guys. Made a blunder at the end of the game that ultimately cost them the game. Detroit's not going to cut him for that you know he's they're not a team that's going to care about that right now they probably prefer to lose these games they can get a higher draft pick but Corey joe if he does get waived he shoots okay from three 33 for his career it's not awesome his highest percentage was 36 percent in 2014-15 i don't expect him to return to that but his primary function is that he can play the game of basketball. He is a quote-unquote floor general where he can find the right guys when he needs to. I think I would have preferred him, despite the shooting deficiencies, to Jeff Teague or even Austin Rivers if you know we end up going after him. 
but we're not sure. And we don't know what Detroit is up to. Detroit's a kind of fun. I want to do a Detroit episode one of these one of these days. I think I got a guy in mind if I can get him to respond to me on Twitter. That's all I do is just DM people on Twitter to get some guests, and it's actually been working out pretty well. It's about all I got for this week, guys. It's a bit shorter. Shorter is how you say that. It's not even one of the drinking episodes, and I still can't pronounce anything. But yeah, it's a bit shorter because we don't have a guest this week. And it's just me talking to myself. I'm looking at this white wall like I'm Wilson Fisk, if you understand that reference. Chonk, if you're listening, I know you do. We're going to catch you on Saturday, hopefully, where I may or may not have a YouTuber that I've referenced in a couple of these episodes. Just hit him up, and he seems to be excited to be on the pod, which would be a lot of fun. Next episode will probably be located back in Milwaukee, St. Louis, until Thursday. So, back to the roots. Until then, stop being so excited about Andre Drummond if you're in Los Angeles. And stop being so upset if your team didn't get him. You should be okay with it. Okay? All right? All right. I'll catch you guys next time. No bucks given. We out here. We in here. And I'm done saying phrases that I don't get. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.